Welcome to My Heart Songs podcast number 144. Be your greatest. You don't have to be awesome to start, but you have to start to be awesome. So states one of those tear-evoking Olympic commercials with Start Your Impossible as the main theme. Although they are mainly referring to the incredible physical prowess demonstrated day after day, being an Olympian clearly requires an amazing degree of mind-body-spirit integration, especially considering we are mostly talking about 20-year-old somethings. Fitness has traditionally been described as the triad of strength, endurance, and flexibility. To that, I've always added balance as a fourth element of importance, especially for older folks. I've been thinking about how one might find parallels in our mental, emotional, and spiritual windows on the world, and what practices might enhance their ongoing development. Today's focus will be on the emotional realm. In the arena of feelings, strength involves the willingness to feel everything, to avoid the traps of minimizing, denying, suppressing, repressing. Endurance could be viewed as resiliency, our ability to express feelings and connect with others for support. Flexibility can be practiced through the reframe. With the reframe, I can transform the spiral of negative emotions by using creative playfulness, an adult version of the childhood game, Let's Pretend. This is not pushing away the feelings, but shifting their intensity so they do not escalate into destructive behaviors. Whenever I notice a difficult state arising, I can pause and fashion a different perspective. The crying baby on an airplane becomes a healing vessel discharging all the negative energy on the planet. The barking dogs keeping me from sleep are really talking about me in very complimentary ways. The jitters before giving a public speech become electric excitement surrounding me with positive glowing energy. My sadness about a friend's illness transforms into flowers falling around his smiling face. Using my unbounded imagination, I invent a different perception of reality moment to moment whenever annoyance, anxiety, or despondency threaten to overwhelm me. More than providing just momentary distractions, this simple reframing technique transforms a turbulent emotional situation into a more empowering one. Emotional balance, the fourth element, happens through self-regulation, similar to what I described in previous podcasts about centering. As I jot down these musings, I'm camping in Santa Barbara Canyon, sitting in a patch of early morning sun, watching the mist rise off the vegetation adjacent to the raging river from yesterday's all-afternoon rains drizzle to soak. Where do I go when experiencing duress or higher-than-normal levels of stress? I always define stress as the internal state that results when the capacity to adapt to what is happening has been exceeded. The internal state that results when the capacity to adapt to what is happening has been exceeded. This often occurs without our awareness, as evidenced by the sensation of peeling off onion layers of tension and pressure when we do actually take a vacation. When I tune in, having dropped out of electronic device land, I realize my personal default is usually sadness. That's where I go when things, personal, loved ones, global, and yes, even cosmic, are not unfolding to my liking. It is the rampant suffering, mine included, that brings me down. 
health concerns with my daughters, a friend's partner in the hospital with relapse of a terrible disease, mystery disease in another, accumulating aging maladies in a different loved one, a thankfully short-lived stroke in a good buddy, teen grandchild struggling for someone close to me, further deterioration of someone's adult child's addiction, friends in Nigeria and Eritrea enduring horrible conditions and deep distress. It always heavily on me, and my own need to be productive and of service causes its own form of crash and burn. I'm not playing the victim here, just aware of my oft-porous boundaries when it comes to the suffering of others. So I sense low energy, little motivation, and a general down mood. There's a certain heaviness of being and often the internal experience of waiting for this or that obstacle to lift, situation to improve, uncertainty to find resolution. My coping strategies are primarily threefold when I become aware of such dissent. Amp up the exercise, take longer naps, and have conversations with myself through journaling and others, but only if they are capable of being present, listening well, and not offering advice unless I request it. Usually such practices work and things shift emotionally within hours or days. The payoff for having sadness as my default is that it slows me down and expands my compassion capacity, strengthening those empathy muscles. I still have a tendency to drive myself too hard, so being sad offers a break from the sometimes relentless push to improve myself and keep evolving. I know people whose default seems to be anger, a way they feel alive, and though their consciousness about spreading such emotional poison around their immediate environs varies, ultimately their upset serves them as a defensive boundary. Others go to fear-anxiety mode when stressed. I believe our individual basic emotional default state evolved because it protected or helped us in some way. I don't really personally know anyone whose default is joy, though a few humans may come close. Some recent pillow talk brought some additional clarity. The Japanese word for this is a lovely makura kotoba, a deeply immersed poetic reference to an epithet or foundation of a poem. Think rosy-fingered dawn, everlasting light. To share intimate, poetic vulnerability in bed is quite a sweet aspect of being partnered. In any case, my wife and I realize that we have complementary emotional default systems. She lifts my sad moods, and I calm her anxious ones, even as we give each other space to be however we need to be. Often, her suggestion for what would be helpful when I might be wallowing and unable to see it is spot on. And same for my offerings when she is in the thick of her yama-yama. We talked about the challenges that must exist when a couple has the same default emotional state when pressed. True, they may understand and have more empathy for the other because they know the territory, but seems to me harder to extricate from the emotional mire when both are trapped in it. Ideally, couples would be aware, be able to mirror loving, non-judgmental feedback and offer assistance when the other is stuck without interfering with the let it flow and let it go aspect of emotional fluency. Being your best includes emotional fluency for sure. Thanks as always for listening and remember friends and family can easily sign up at myheartsongs.org.